This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to Monday's Blood Red podcast with myself, Sean Bradbury. We're going to take a little look back at Brighton at the 2-1 win and of course look ahead to the small matter of Everton rocking up to Anfield on Wednesday for the Merseyside Derby. With me to do that are two of the Echo's finest, two... Two certain Ballon d'Or nominees in my eyes, at least. <laughs> uh, it's the big man, Paul Ghost. Always looks good in the suit. Ghost, how are you? <laughs> Thanks for that, Sean. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, Starts of a new week. Ballon d'Or awards tonight. Midside Derby Wednesday. Uh, December is about to get a lot busier, isn't it? Absolutely is. Uh, and to discuss the start of December, we also have with us Keeve O'Neill. Keeve, have you ever, ever won any awards yet? Anything yeah, I've, I've actually won the Ballon d'Or, so oh, a little yeah. exclusive for you there. Got yeah. that boxed off. Yeah, beat, beat, beat Messi and Van Dijk to it, yeah. Oh, it's that. mine. Oh, there you go. Virgil's trying to take it off you tonight. Um, and we will come on to that a little bit later on, but we're going to start with a pretty bonkers game on Saturday, just when you think Liverpool are actually about to coast to a reasonably routine home win for once uh, in the season that's unfolding so far. It does not happen. Um, you were both there. Kiba, you were making your press box debut. And Gorsi, you were there as usual. Paul, we'll start with you. What, what did you make of that? Bit of a mad one on Saturday? It was. Uh, it was totally in keeping with Liverpool's season so far, wasn't it? I mean, for 75 minutes, it was as comfortable as it's been all season in any game and any competition, and it was all nice and easy and routine and just a standard home win. And then the moment of madness from Adrian completely turns the game on its head. And Liverpool are panicking and, and desperate for the last 10 minutes, and it just didn't really need to be like that at all, did it? Uh, Van Dijk with a couple of headers from two great deliveries from Alexander-Arnold. Wasn't a whole lot more going on. Uh, Liverpool probably should have had a third with Mane or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in the second half. Brighton had a couple of chances with Lewis Dunk, who I thought, um, as an aside, was excellent on the day. Mm. But just, I mean, Liverpool just don't do routine anymore, do they? You know, they just seem to keep the fans on the edge of the seat every single week now and... At some point, they're going to have to start putting teams to bed earlier because they can't put the fans through this for the rest of the season. Uh, we were bad enough in the press box, so God knows how, how the 12,000 <laughs> fans on the cop were feeling um, when it was, you know, the last five minutes. But yeah, they've, they've got the results. And I think it was a it was a massive result when you think the City's results early in the day, drawn at Newcastle. And obviously, what was happening at Stamford Bridge at the same time with West Ham winning 1-0. So it's now 11 points between Liverpool and City. Uh, 14 I think is it Ch- Chelsea are off uh, so it's only looking like now that, that it's Leicester who are putting up a bit of a fight to, mm. to try and keep it a, a two-horse race um, so yeah I mean it was a big result for Liverpool a bit unnecessary how, how it came about but crucially the win was was there at full time mm. Kiefer as we mentioned it was your press box bow uh, at Anfield what, report on Liverpool for the Echo how was it then nerves jangling at the end or were you always confident it was a difficult one. If you kept up to date with our live blog coverage, you'll know I was very cold throughout the entire match. <laughs> Every other blog entry I was saying, I'm freezing, I'm freezing. It was honestly so cold. I've never felt cold like that. But, you know, anyway, other than that, um, it was an enjoyable experience for me, obviously. But the good thing about it, I was writing that Alison was banned then. I was writing the breakout on that. So I didn't kind of watch the last 10 minutes because it was just, my head was down <laughs> and I felt like, do you know what? That that saved the me. the best way to do it. Saved mm. me a heart attack at least because oh, it was just, like Paul said, it, it's Liverpool, you know, we were hoping, I think I said on a, a podcast leading up to this, that you know, would, Liverpool would do a game where you felt like they'd just, you know, go out and win 4-0 and it felt like it was going to be that game until they had that two goal cushion and just felt like they eased off. Mm. 
prematurely and then Brighton, they allowed Brighton back into it. We've seen Brighton beat Tottenham, didn't we, quite convincingly not long ago and, you know, they're probably going to be struggling this season but they, they played really well and I thought Liverpool were caused their own sort of problems in, in regards to that because obviously they, they just, the tempo just seemed to dissipate almost and we we were letting, and that's so unusual, obviously we're unbeaten at Anfield for such a long time but it's so unusual to watch the other teams have a lot of the ball. Obviously, City did the other week when they were pushing, but that was an end-to-end game. Where this, it just felt like the second half, we just we just gave so much of it the possession to Brighton, and I feel like it was just it was a bit nervy after that, wasn't it? Mm. Allison was. There were a couple of moments before he he done that where he'd you know like cleared the ball and ran at you know we we know he's that type of keeper, don't we? He's a sweeper keeper. He likes to to get out to the ball. But there was a couple of edgy ones and I was thinking, oh, he's he's in one of their moods today. He just needs to, <laughs> to stay calm and keep back. And I haven't even seen that goal back, I don't think. But obviously he made a, a poor a poor mistake there. But you know we've seen him make that a mistake against Leicester and last season. There's not many of them in his in his bag. And now obviously Adrian will have a chance to uh, keep Liverpool's second clean sheet. Mm. Well, staying with uh, Alison Gorsley, I think one of the most read stories on the Echo website in reaction to the match this weekend was basically a piece where fans were all just trying to work out exactly what he was playing for that incident. Yeah. What, what do you think it was? Was it just like an, an instinctive thing? You know, that that's just a you know instinctual reaction to when the ball's in that position. Did Lovren put him under a little bit of pressure? Or It was definitely an instinct thing, wasn't it? Was it Leandro, uh, Leonardo Trossard even, who basically tried to poke it past him and he just forgot where he was, and he's just an instinct for a goalkeeper to stick out a hand, and that's what mm. he's done. Martin Atkinson, who's not the the favourite ref on the cop, um, <laughs> the pool fans could have few complaints with, with his decisions to send them off. So we missed the main side derby, um, but I think you can count on, you, you actually can count on one hand the amount of mistakes that Alisson's made since he, he joined from Roma for sixty five million last summer. You're thinking of the the one at Leicester. Um, the one the other day, the one against Manchester United at home, and possibly the one against Fulham um, mm. last season at Craven Cottage, uh, and none of them have cost Liverpool any points. So I suppose that is a big ticking in his his box. But he's not. I don't think it, it, it just hasn't really got going this season, has he, Allison? He, he hasn't kept the clean sheet all season. The pool have only kept two, and, and they both when Adrian was in goal. He's had that calf injury. He's kept them out for two months. He's been shown a straight red and he's going to miss the Merseyside derby. Uh, just really seems to to be having a tough time getting going really this season uh, after such an incredible year for club and country last season. But um, he'll come back in, I'd imagine, after the, the derby. He should be back between the sticks of Bournemouth and, and a chance to really uh, get his season up and running. Mm. Like Gorsi says, Kiva, obviously it is more mis- misfortune for Alisson, but the, the Adrian fairy tale, I suppose, continues. Uh, are you almost kind of happy to see him get another chance? He's done the Reds proud so far this season. Yeah, well, as Paul nicely put it yesterday in one of his pieces, you know, this is his second act now, isn't it? And, mm. you know, a chance for him to to come in. And I read someone had tweeted that the last time a goalkeeper got sent off in the Premier League for handling outside the box was actually Adrian <laughs> in 2015, really? which I found quite interesting whether that's true or not. But yeah, I think, you know, he, he come in, didn't he? He was the Super Cup hero. And obviously, Alisson hasn't really got going since that um, that injury sustained against Norwich. I feel like, Adrian, would you a clean sheet? And you felt like if it didn't come at Brighton, we would get it against Everton because, mm. you know, it's inevitable that Liverpool will get a clean sheet. 
Um, but oh, he, he he was really cold, wasn't he? He was as cold as me because that um, my heart was in my mouth when he he sort of like fumbled and the ball was mm. like about to go in and it just seemed like it wasn't going to be his day and he was going to come on. You know, we conceded so quickly, but I felt like that was a bit of a poor decision to let that that uh, be taken so quickly when mm. he, he wasn't ready. He thought it was a bit cruel of uh, Martin Atkinson, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him on on Wednesday night, I think he'll 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 do himself proud. You know, he's he, he reminds me of like the players we had last season who were them ever professionals. Obviously Mignolet would have been almost loving this chance, wouldn't he, if he was still at the club. It's mm. it's massive for him really because you think Allison's likely to win as the new award tonight, isn't it, at the Ballon d'Or for goalkeeper of the year and he's likely to win that. You know, he is the best goalkeeper in the world, you'd argue. Um, so there's not the, the chances are few and far between. He's probably not going to keep Allison out of the team, is he? But he'll, he'll give it a good go, and you know he's a he's definitely a good understudy. In terms of where the goals for Liverpool came from, Gorsi, we've already mentioned, as, as yourself said, two for two for the big man, two for mm-hmm. Virgil Van Dijk, both uh, whipped in by Trent. Is it good to see so far this season the goals being spread around the team? Obviously, you've had the defence chipping in, Lovren midweek, I think Trent scored, hasn't he? And the midfield as well, they've been, been having a go. Ox has got a few, Henderson got that big one against Spurs. But I think this was, if I'm right in saying, this was in one of our pieces online today, this was the first league match at Anfield in a year in which one of the front three hasn't scored. Are you starting to get a little bit of concern around them going into this busy period, or are you just thinking, well, you know, the goals are coming? No, I'm not actually. I think I think the goals will will come for them uh, at, at some points. I mean, it, it, it's great that Liverpool are sharing around the goal scoring burden because if it was just the the front three scoring all the goals, then all you'd hear is if if they're off song, then Liverpool are knackered. So I think it's a great thing that Liverpool are sharing it around. It's good to see the midfielders contributing a bit more. Uh, obviously, Wayne Aldam got the winning against Sheffield United, didn't he? Adam Lallana got an equaliser against. Uh, Against Manchester United, Jordan Henderson got an equaliser against Tottenham. Um, mm. I think the only one who, who hasn't scored from oh no, well, obviously Fabinho scored against uh, Manchester City, didn't he? And you've still got Jadon Chikiri coming in, who, who's barely played this season. Obviously, he's got plenty of goal threats in him as well. The pool have actually had more goal scorers this season than they had for the entirety of last season. So it shows you that they are spending it around a bit more. And, and it's good to see because on a rare day when, I mean, it. it doesn't happen very often, but when, you know, if, if Mane's off song, then Salah is normally firing, or if Firmino has a quiet game, Mane's the, the one who's, who's scoring the goals. But when all three of them do have quiet days, as they did on on Saturday, um, it's great that Liverpool have got an option to score from other areas. I think, uh, I, think I heard Alan Shearer on match of the day say Virgil van Dijk scored the most in the Premier League as a defender for the last, you know, mm. two seasons. So, great to see him adding to that. And, um, yeah, I think it's a great thing that the goal-scoring burden's being spread about. Mm-hmm. Another way for, we've mentioned them already, but but Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kiva. Gomez, I thought, when he came in against Napoli, it wasn't just on him, there was, but there was a bit of, bit of a struggle coming down that right-hand side with him and, and Henderson and Salah. It wasn't the kind of normal, fluid little triangle you get on the right-hand side with Trent. I mean, he showed again there, didn't he, that he, the ability he has, it, it's allowed Liverpool essentially to win a game cheaply with his set-piece abilities. Just, I know we've said this a lot, but he's so important to this side, isn't he? Yeah, massively. Um, he was on a hat-trick of assists, which obviously he got last season, didn't he, against Wofford, setting up Van Dijk as well. Um, I think I read before he's made the most crosses in the Premier League this season, 160, which is phenomenal, really. You know, the, his distribution's 
pinpoint at times, isn't it? You know, mm. he's an assist king in his own right. He's 21. It's quite remarkable, really. I think we sort of forget how young he is and what he's accomplished so far and that he'll probably be playing for Liverpool Football Club for the next 10 plus years. We we really are lucky to have him. Um, and you just, it's almost like now you just expect it. So if he has a game where he doesn't get an assist, it's kind of like a shock, isn't it? Now it's yeah. like, oh my God, Trent hasn't, hasn't <laughs> had an assist. Um, but then Gomez comes in and obviously we're just so used to Trent being on the right and he is just so technically gifted, isn't he, and creative on the ball. And I don't think Joe Gomez offers that same kind of sort of going forward, does he? Mm. Does I wouldn't think he, he's a lot bigger, I'd say, and I just think he's a bit more clunkier going forward. But, he, you know, he still does a good job. And I think if we didn't know Trent, if, you know, if Trent didn't play for Liverpool, we'd probably be really happy with what Gomez does. It's just that we've seen a world-class right-back and then someone who's really a centre-half trying to fill in at right-back. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can use all the superlatives in the world. He's just a, a stunning footballer and... You know, I don't think it'll be long before he, he captains this Liverpool team. Mm, be surprised at all. Um, in terms of the final outcome, then goes to another 2 1, which seems to be becoming almost a default scoreline for yeah. Liverpool this season. Is there any kind of nerves or any concern that, you know, Liverpool, they keep winning? And obviously, a lot of people are saying this is the sign of champions. This is how you go about doing it, especially with the, you know, the amount of late rallies we've seen to, to claim all three points in crucial situations. But, only just doing it, just you know, squeaking through games, is that, you know, could it be costly in the final analysis? Yeah, it definitely could. There's only so many times you're going to be able to do that throughout the whole of the season. And I think for 24 games now, Liverpool have, have got to start playing, playing a bit more and, put, and putting teams to the sword when they're on top because, you know, I think this is eight times now in all competitions they've won 2 1, seven in the Premier League. Um, sometimes you, you can get by with, you know, games like the Tottenham game where you fight back from conceding early on. And and you get the win that you deserve. But games like Palace, um, you Villa. know, your Villa, your Villa, mm. Villa is the standout one, isn't it? With two goals in the last five minutes, you're not going to be able to do that for for the entire course of the season. So Liverpool, at some stage, are going to have to start, you know, a bit a bit like a couple of seasons ago when they, when they got to Kiev. You know, that type of season where they have a burst of twenty minutes and they'll score two or three. They, they perhaps need to start doing that on a little bit more of a regular basis just to make sure that it's a lot more comfortable. Um, they're not playing for 95 minutes every single week. They can rest up and, and you know, put the foot on the gas and slow the tempo a little bit more because um, they're not going to be able to do it for the next 24 games. I mean, it's remarkable that they've been able to do it so often already in, in the games that they played. So um, I'd imagine Clark will want a few more routine victories between now and May. Mm. Never mind Klopp, I want them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just want a good three nil. I'm sure it's coming. It feels like it is. It's got to, hasn't it? Like naturally, yeah. the Lord of Science just surely will be enable Liverpool to just win the next game or the game after three or four nil. I think we all need it just to so you can get your verdict and all that done. Paul, yeah. we, we <laughs> thought we thought Saturday was going to be the day, didn't we? And then with 15 minutes to go, it's all of a sudden Liverpool are down to ten. It's chaos. It was chaos. And it's two one and. <laughs> Adrian's picking the ball out of his net before he's even had a touch uh, no doubt he was caught cold and, and it was a poor mistake from him I don't think Liverpool can have too many complaints about the quickly taken free kick because he benefited from a quickly taken set piece against Barcelona in May didn't he so True. you know swings and roundabouts I suppose but Adrian should have been a lot more alert but you know Liverpool 
squeeze through and, and got the um, what could actually be a massive three points when you look at the results that weekend. Mm. Last point on Brighton then, uh, Kiva. It's obviously the last 15, Liverpool were always going to be under the cosh a bit because of the circumstances of, of, of what went on. But I think overall, looking at the stats, Brighton had 55% possession, so they shaded it overall. Last 15 minutes, it was knocking on for, for 90%. And, and I got the sense that after Liverpool went 2-0 up, there was a little bit of standing off, a little bit less pressing. You had the odd person, maybe Ox or one out of them a couple of times scoring forward to try and try and win the ball. But to me, it did look like they were playing within themselves a little bit. Do you think there's maybe a sense that, given how busy and hectic the, the fixture schedule is at the minute, that they maybe are trying to just rest the legs and have the odd 45 off, especially when, you know, it was 2-0 at the time? Like Paul mentioned, then they need to do that, but I don't think that was the case they needed another goal you felt like a goal was coming as well in the, the beginning of the second yeah. half you felt like a goal was coming any minute for Liverpool but then the, the tide just turned quite quickly and you know Brighton were just on top then throughout the, the remaining minutes of the match um, I think Liverpool do need to work on that in terms of just getting that third goal because 2-0 is the worst scoreline in football as we know once Brighton half the deficit you just you get that whole massive momentum and they had that and it looked like you know Adrian made a couple of good saves after that didn't he the, the one where he, he yeah. really dived over Adam Moore, yeah. that was you know such an important save because if we you know you've watched Man City 2-2 obviously John Joe Shelby gets a important goal for us in the title race you're thinking you know City and our 11 points off if Liverpool would would have wielded that to, to Brighton and let you know and drop and drop two points in a similar fashion to City. I think it would have just been detrimental to how then Guardiola and his set up and they're thinking, oh well, you know, that is because Liverpool have only drawn obviously to United this season. I just think if you do you can't I don't think they they, they can't let the foot off the gas until the game is completely won. And I know they need to rest and, like, you know, you want to make them subs. I was just glad Klopp didn't, because he'd made two subs, hadn't he? He took Salah and Firmino off. And then, obviously, luckily enough, he hadn't, because otherwise we would have had a Kyle Walker moment, wouldn't we? Who would you have gone for if you had to throw the gloves to someone there? Probably would have been Van Dijk. Yeah, the big man. No, if you'd have won him heading heading away. (laughs) Heading away. Yeah. Lovren, probably, maybe, would you reckon? Candidates. Hopefully we never have to. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, before we move on to Wednesday, obviously the uh, Everton at Anfield, just a quick word on the title race then. I think you both touched on it already, but that 11-point gap back to City now, of course, does that, does that feel insurmountable? Would you, would you almost rule them out at this stage? I mean, even if they do beat Liverpool at the Etihad, which obviously a huge possibility when that game comes around, where do you think another eight points would come from? I mean, if I, if I was <clears throat> if I was Liverpool looking up at that eleven point gap, I'd probably say Liverpool are out of it. Um, I'm not saying City are out of it just because maybe we've been <clears throat> burnt a bit too bit too much, <laughs> haven't we? <clears throat> City now need Liverpool to lose four games, and and this is a team that have lost one in over fifty, so it's going to be extremely difficult for City to claw those points back. They're going to have to virtually win every game for the rest of the season, which is twenty four games, and still hope Liverpool stumble majorly. Know how many times, how many, how many draws, and City have still got to play Leicester. I think. Well, they've obviously got to play them twice, um, play them again. But I don't think they played each other this season. Have they? Um, I think they've pretty much got to play the majority of the top six again before the, the, you know, the next set of fixtures roll around, if you like. So it's going to be hugely difficult for City to 
to get near Liverpool looking at it at this stage. Um, but Leicester, you could tell when they got the results against Everton yesterday that what that meant to them and, and they they believe that they, they're in with a shout. So you can't really discount them, to be honest, because they, they've been you know fantastic so far this season. Mm. Do you think they, Leicester, Kiva, are emerging as the... As the credible threat to Liverpool, because I guess they've got no Europe. It's obviously Rodgers is in charge. A little, he's a little bit similar to Liverpool in 13-14. Yeah, I think if you look at them, Jamie Vardy obviously was the hero that season. He's he scored six goals in six games now, or mm. maybe even more. But I know is you know he's he'll be knocking on his own record of eleven scoring in eleven consecutive games soon. I just think they're playing with confidence. I know they didn't play the best yesterday, Leicester, but they've done what Liverpool have been doing and scored a late goal to win it. I just feel like they look probably, they have done, they didn't look at yesterday, but they, they've probably looked the best team in, in the league this season. Liverpool and Man City haven't quite been there. I know Liverpool have won a lot of games and were, you know, eight points clear to Leicester and 11 in front of City, but I think Liverpool have, have played the best football in terms of, obviously, Leicester absolutely battered Southampton, mm. didn't they? And performances like that stand out in your mind. That'll go down as probably the best performance of the season already. Um I don't really see them actually challenging for the title. I've still got this feeling they're just going to fall away. Obviously, Rodgers is being linked away with Arsenal and things like that, I think, can distract. Mm. You know, Leicester will be looking over the shoulders a little bit. I think they'll get top four, but I don't think... I think, you know, you know, I am a Liverpool fan and you'd like to think Liverpool, you know, steam right through to the uh, to the Premier League title in May. But obviously, we know what Man City are capable of. They won, was it, 14 games in a row yeah. to claw it back last time. They're more than capable of doing that again. But you can only lose, You can Liverpool can only drop as many as three points in one match day. So obviously, then that takes you into the next. If you drop three points on Wednesday, then you know you've got to win at the weekend to get that back, you know. So I don't think you can't lose it. It's not like we're, it's a four-point lead and you drop three mm. points and they're a point behind, yeah. you know, because obviously City play... Burnley tomorrow night and then Liverpool play Everton and that was the way it was towards the end of the season wasn't it they'd always play in front of Liverpool but yeah. now Liverpool have this gap it's like you know they can they can sit back a little bit and think you know we've got this but again I'm not, I'm not entirely sure Liverpool will go unbeaten I'm sure we'll drop points along the way still a long way to go but you know invincible thus far mm, indeed indeed well we'll move on to Wednesday night's matters now um the Blues, it's fair to say, fairly beleaguered. Um, and there is a 26-point gap between Liverpool in first and Everton down in 17th. Um, just had a look before. If you had those 26 points, you'd, you'd be fourth. Chelsea got 26 and, you know, they're in the Champions League places. Ghosty, then, we'll start with you. I'd say I'd, I'm there's a bit. I'm having a growing trepidation ahead of this one. I'm just starting to get a few concerns. I mean, obviously, Silver's under massive pressure, isn't he? Everyone knows this, and it does feel like a bit of a stay of execution at the minute in terms of his stewardship of Everton. But the thing for me is, for, from Everton's perspective, certainly in recent memory in the Premier League era, can there ever have been lower expectations coming into a derby? And how does that make you feel? Does that make you think, well, you know, if they say the form book goes out the window, this one could be, you know, the, the, the biggest one of them we've ever seen? Yeah, that's, I mean, looking at it, as, as, as long as I've been watching football, I don't think I've ever seen as big a gap between the pool and Everton as there is right here today. It's, uh, it's quite remarkable how... Far ahead, Liverpool are now, um, and I made a similar point to Manchester United earlier in the season when when Liverpool went to Old Trafford. Um, 
over 20 years Everton haven't won an Anfield so mm. when, you, when you mentioned that about the form book that, that is very much the form book isn't it that, that hasn't really gone out the window because Everton just seemed to be struck by a, maybe an inferiority complex when they, they come across Stanley Park um, and they, they head to Anfield last season they, they played very well they were, they were very unfortunate um, to get beat with Divock Origi's 96 minute winner if it hadn't been for a wonder save from Allison, they might have even nicked it with Andre Gomez mm. but the the shape that they're in now, they're, they're up the wall, aren't they? I mean, they, they played well in, in spells against Leicester yesterday. At Leicester, it was a difficult place to go. They were hugely unfortunate not to come away with a point, um, but at the moment they are in the doldrums and Silva is probably down to his final hours as manager, I'd say, from the outside looking in. And Liverpool have to be ruthless, have to take advantage of it, have to win and make sure that Everton's derby record for the decade stands at one win. <laughs> well, that that record, of course, he's mentioned, Kiva. You know, going back to 1999 in terms of not having lost a derby at Anfield, do, do you kind of see that as a reason that the Reds should swagger into the game, and and you know the fans should take that into Anfield as well and think, well, look, you know, that's it's a long, long time. It puts the pressure on Everton, or at some stage, just start to think, well, you know, it's on us to preserve that, and and they're due one almost. I don't know because it's similar to sort of the record we've got at Anfield at the minute. We're unbeaten. I don't think they go into the match thinking if we lose, you know then the record will be gone. I think the opposition will come in, Everton will come in thinking it's a big chance. You feel like that record will eventually get through. You'd think Everton will eventually beat Liverpool and Anfield. It seems unlikely on Wednesday night, but you just don't know because they've got absolutely nothing to lose. Marco Silva's, you know, on the brink really, isn't he? Um, you, you know, you, he might not. Everton could win that game and he'd still, he still might get sacked. It's mm. just, it doesn't... You know, the two points off the relegation zone, it is completely bizarre. Obviously, we finished well ahead of them last season, but I've, I've never known Everton to be this far behind Liverpool. It's just, it's odd, isn't it? Because usually they're up there or up about, you know, they've finished above us, haven't they, a few times and um, in the last 20 years, but still they haven't been able to to get that, that Anfield win. Um, you know, you do, as a fan, I think you, fans will be a little bit nervous about it because, you, you know... It's, it's your workplace, your colleagues, mm. your family, like my brothers are blue. And, you know, it's as soon as, you know, Everton, Liverpool, it is, you know, it's a family affair, I think, isn't it, in terms of, you know, you, you know someone who's a, who's an Everton fan. Yeah. And, um, or you might just sit next to one like me. Yeah, um, several. Several all around us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? You don't want to lose just more so for that, but you definitely, Liverpool do not want to relinquish that, that record because I think that, that could be so damning, couldn't it? It could really damage Liverpool's title credentials could, almost. Yeah, just yeah. knowing that, like, Everton have beat you at Anfield and then, you know, what does that give to City? You've probably beat Burnley the night before. You know, you've got to think of that. I don't I don't think the players, the players will roll in, into that game with loads of confidence. You can already sort of picture the Merseyside as red tweets after it. But, you know... I think the fans, it's a different case, isn't it? I feel like it's a different feeling. Yeah, mm. Liverpool haven't lost, as you say, haven't lost in the Premier League since April 2017. Everton haven't won a game at Anfield for over 20 years. Surely they're not going <laughs> to not gonna do it on Wednesday night. Um, it's, it's just unthinkable for, for those of a Liverpool persuasion. Mm. Well, yeah, it certainly is. A couple more points on on this then. Everton have only scored 14 goals in 14 games in the league this season, but 
one thing when whenever I watch them play, and like yes, they like you said, Gorsi, they were, they actually gave a reasonable account of themselves. I thought at Leicester were obviously unlucky in the sense of how late the uh, the Leicester winner was, but they do look like they've got, despite their lack of goals in the league, at least quite a lot of match winners. I mean. You know, Sigurdsson can always hit one. Dean can take a free kick. I think Richarlison's the type of player who can get something out of nothing. Is is there anyone who individually, in that sense, does concern you going into Wednesday? Yeah, the three you mentioned there. Sigurdsson can always pull a rabbit out of the hat, can't he? You've seen, you've seen what he did at Anfield in the FA Cup nearly two years ago. He equalised on the day. Then They've got some talented players, there's no doubt about it. And... I don't believe for one second that these players have stopped playing for Marco Silva, given you know, what I watched at uh, the King Power yesterday. Um, our Everton correspondents, Phil Kirkbride, you know, fantastic work in getting a sit-down chat with Marco Silva amongst all his troubles uh, last week. And he, he said the same effect, that, you know, these players are still playing for me. So it's, um, it, it's not a case of them heading to Anfield. OK, they're in poor form and, and they haven't picked up many points, but they're not going there where... They've given up. They'll definitely be putting in a shift, and and they'll they'll know what it means to the Everton fans. You know, the three thousand or so travelling across to Anfield, they'll know what it means to them, and, and they'll be making a hell of a noise in the away end. So, uh, it, I mean, it's not going to be an easy game for Liverpool by any stretch, even though that the record's terrible and they're in great form. So uh, it, w- it will be a tough one, but Liverpool just can't. You know, other features that can't enter Liverpool's thoughts on. On Wednesday night, because City playing twenty four hours earlier, and left Leicester Leicester Wednesday or Tuesday. Oh, not sure. Actually, um, but play. obviously they're in action as well. So Liverpool uh, have got plenty of motivation to uh, to win this game on Wednesday. Mm. Keith, I think Gorsi's touched on this, but as poor as Everton have been this season, and you know with everything that's swirled around Marco Silva and the club in general, they did give a reasonable account of themselves in derbies last season, particularly at Anfield. Do you think they might try and carry a little bit of that into, ga- into the game and think back, obviously, you know, didn't didn't end well for them at Anfield, but, you know, they were they were reasonable throughout the 90 and they, they could well have taken a point, if not more. Do you think that will mean something in terms of their psychology going into it? Yeah, I think they'll, they'll try and clutch to whatever they can in terms of confidence because obviously it's rock bottom at the minute. You know, they didn't, yesterday, they didn't look like a team playing with no confidence at all. You know, there is something there, like Paul said, that, you know, they are still playing for Marco Silva, but I just think, I, I don't know if, if Liverpool get an early goal and that just puts their heads down a little bit. I think they'll come out fighting like you, you know, like yeah. Liverpool will as well. It just, I think that first goal and if, the, if Everton can score, you know, Obviously, we know they, they scored in the first half yesterday and it didn't quite end well for them, but I just feel like it just feels like one of them games that's going to be really intense. And if Everton can get a point, I think that'll even be massive for them. You know, to, to stop Liverpool's winning streak would be, you know, like we saw last season, the Man United and Everton games, they were the only two teams able to stop Liverpool, um, you know, on that, on that title march. And those points are the ones that really yeah. cost Liverpool mm-hmm. I think that it then is more it's it's almost like an you're not playing the actual fixture you're sort of playing this you know you're playing yeah. the rivalry aren't you and you know I think Liverpool ought not to do that because obviously it cost them dearly last season but United and Everton are the only teams capable of doing that doesn't matter what 11 Everton line up with it's just Everton Football Club who were able to do that and so Man United just because you know that long rivalry we've had with obviously that our neighbours and um, mm-hmm. United you know the North West rivalry which had been running for, for a long time um, 
So I think it doesn't necessarily matter, does it? I think Everton will just come out. But, you know, I'm sure Liverpool provide the answers like they have done all season. Mm-hmm. Well, two things remain then um, in terms of the Everton game. First one, picking Liverpool starting eleven. Obviously, Adrian is in goal. Um, we've, we've discussed why that is the case already. I was going to Lonergan in. Lonergan, yeah. <laughs> it's time. Keller and Andy. <laughs> Keller. <laughs> um, so, keep a boxed. Back four, Gorsty from what Klopp was saying the other day, it's it's far too soon for Matip, so do you think it'll yeah. just be as was? I think so. Uh, I think Lovren deserves to keep his place. I think he's been excellent alongside Van Dijk for the last three or four weeks. Um, don't see any reason to change that. Mm. Kiva, do you can care? There'll be no change at the back for you? No, yeah, definitely. I think Lovren's been brilliant and he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. I think he's made for these types of games, isn't he? Mm. Just don't be pushing yeah. Calvert-Lewin. <laughs> yeah, don't be... Uh, no hands in the box. Please, Dejan. <laughs> Um, midfield then I guess the, the one that started the other day has maybe got a shout Wijnaldum, Henderson, Oxlade-Chamberlain is is that how you go Gorsty or Milner maybe? I think Milner might, might get a shout just for his, um, his big game experience um, no, Klopp tends to, to favour him in, in certain big games doesn't he particularly in the Champions League so I think he might come in for this one with I mean I'd like to see Oxlade-Chamberlain keep his place because I thought he played well on Saturday because mm. he offers Quite a lot going forward and he's always good for a goal, isn't he? Particularly at the moment when he's, he's scored five this season. But I think he might just reverse a little bit to type and go with Milner and Wijnaldum. Uh, Milner, Henderson and Wijnaldum. Mm. Kiva, you're a staunch Alex Oxley-Chamberlain advocate. Yeah, I am and uh, he keeps his place for me. Um, yeah. I just think he adds a little bit of something else, you know, his ability to just push the ball and, uh, you know, his physique. He literally... He didn't quite get there on Saturday, but he just shows glimpses of, of excellence and something that we don't really have, I don't think, in the in the midfield in terms of that. Um, but it is difficult because you kind of want Milner, you want your general mm. in there, don't you, to just kind of keep things calm because as soon as that whistle glo- goes, it's just going to be nuts, isn't it? That chaos of Derby yeah. Day, especially under the lights. You know, Liverpool fans, it'll feel like almost like a European night, won't it? Mm. Um, but... I do quite like when Milner comes on in the second, about 60 minutes after that, you know, to just to shore things up. And But then I'd want Milner on if a penalty because I just feel like he's Mr. Cool, isn't he? And I don't really enjoy Salah taking penalties, you know. Mm. It's not well, an enjoyable experience for me. <laughs> he scores them, but I just don't like watching it. It just feels unnatural. I just like James Milner to be there to because you just kind of don't have to look and you just know he's, he's hopefully going to score, but... Um, maybe Milner to come on in the second half just to if, if our heads go a little bit or whatever. Mm, okay, so we've got our midfield by the one dilemma, uh, Milner or Oxlade-Chamberlain. And then up front course, it's got to be the usual suspects. Yes, um, they've actually never played as a front three against Everton, which is really? an interesting one. Yeah, they, 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 were on the same, they were on the pitch last season when Klopp played a 4-2-3-1 in, in the one they win in Anfield, but Sheard and Shkiri was on the right. Of course, Amino yeah. was behind Salah and, and Mane was on the left. So as a front three, they've actually never played together against Everton. Um, Dominic Solanke's led the line at times, Origi's been on in place of Firmino. So Everton have been let off the hook quite a lot over the last couple of years. We all know how devastating Liverpool's front three is, so hopefully Wednesday is a chance for them to all start together as that front three. They've scored 183 goals between them during their time together at Liverpool and haven't been unleashed on Everton so far yet, so uh, they've, they've got to start on Wednesday. Kiva, any any suggestion that Divock might sneak in for you, or is it is it those no, three? I think he'll definitely come on to be the, the ghost of Christmas past, only, <laughs> and maybe haunt Everton later on, you don't know, but... Um, I wouldn't be starting him, um, I think, because 
it's it's one of them substitutes like that as soon as they come on, it kind of puts fear into Everton of oh no, it's Rigi. Mm. Um, so I definitely hold that card close to your chest, Klopp. Um, but yeah, the front three, I think the due that kind of scintillating where they all get on the score sheet, aren't they? It's coming, you feel. So obviously, I'd like to see that happen. But I've got a sneaky feeling Dejan Lovren might be among the goals. You know, just got it. Yeah. Well, um, the last thing then on, on the Blues game's predictions, I'll, I'll start because I'm the naysayer here. I just think they tried that new formation against Leicester, gave it a good little test drive. And I think, you know, it's not exactly saying we're an equivalent team. We play identically to Leicester, but tough away game and, you know, gave a reasonable account of themselves. We're lucky not to at least get a point. I'm going to go 1-1. So I want more positivity from you two, if possible. Yeah, I think, as Kiva said, Everton's confidence is, uh, is way down there at the moment, isn't it? And... The supporter attitude is, oh, we're going to Anfield, of course we're going to get beat from the the one or two that you, that you might speak to. So hopefully that will all combine just to help Liverpool a little bit more and I can see them winning 2-0. 2-0. Kiva? I'm a bit lost with this one. I'm like, are we going to win 2-1 again? Because we just keep winning 2-1. <laughs> it's like, you know. Um, but I've just got a feeling Liverpool will be rampant, hopefully. Um but I feel like Everton will score just because obviously Adrian's coming in and I just don't feel like the clean sheet's quite there yet with Liverpool. I'd like to think it is, but I'm feeling a good 4-1. 4-1. Going for it. Absolutely take that. Um, final word then. Uh, by the time this pod comes out, the, the Ballon d'Or will be will be almost upon us um, and the odds currently have Lionel Messi, I think, a 12-1 to on favourite. So, Ghosty, it looks like uh, the big man Virgil's going to just miss out to Messi, but no disgrace if that does pan out to be the case. No, the fact that he's he's a centre-back and he's got a legitimate chance of beating Messi is just astounding, really. Um, the, there was a leak, wasn't there, on social media over the weekend and four of the top six were Liverpool players, which included a goalkeeper. So that just shows you what a remarkable, sensational 12 months Liverpool have had as a collective and not more so the Virgil van Dijk. Um, world's best defender, no question, World's best player. Okay, Messi for me is the, the greatest footballer of all time. But uh, if he's ever not going to win it, it could be uh, could be tonight in Paris with uh, Van Dijk taking it. We'll find out. Mm. Keep. I think as Gorsi said there, the fact that Liverpool have got so many candidates, so many nominees uh, on the shortlist there, even if Van Dijk doesn't win it tonight, that tells the whole story really, doesn't it? It's massive, isn't it? Seven Ballon d'Or nominees. Like mm. That's just... That is you know, what you'd expect of a Barcelona, Real Madrid, wouldn't you? Not Liverpool, but this is Liverpool now and, you know, they are the best team in the world, full of world-class players. It's not, you know, we, we had so many years where we would just add one or two. You had Gerard in there as just the, the constant world-class and then people coming in like Suarez, Coutinho. But now it's like everyone. Everyone's world-class. I mean, even I am. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, uh, reports in Spain today suggesting that Messi's got it and you know you couldn't be too disappointed I don't think because like Paul says he is for me as well the, the greatest footballer of, of ever um, so it's difficult but for Van Dijk to be up there and almost almost win it maybe he might you don't know these reports could all be false hopefully they are because that would be absolutely magnificent wouldn't it? and so deserved he's been phenomenal I, I haven't enjoyed watching a player in my life mm. as much as I enjoy watching him play and that's it's weird because he's a defender. You should want to watch, you know, the the attackers play. But at Anfield on Saturday, every time I see him live, I'm just looking at him, thinking, "Wow, he's just he's just you know he just glides across the 
the pitch. He wins every header and obviously he scored two as well, got it, got himself a brace and, you know, he's just a phenomenal player. He's captain of his national team. He's done so much for Liverpool and I'm sure if he keeps knocking on this door and he does the same again this season, he'll be thereabouts again next year, won't he, with another um, nom- nomination. And obviously you think the likes of Trent and... Mane, Salah, they'll all be there, Alisson again. So, you know, this is like, you know, Liverpool, this isn't just, you know, a one-season wonder thing. You think this is now going into the future because if you look at all the Ballon d'Or nominees over time, it's usually the same players sort of sticking around and, you know, Liverpool have that now. Mm, Absolutely. Well, we'll leave it there. Best of luck to the big man tonight Um, and there'll be plenty of reaction on the Echo website. Uh, either way, if it does go to Messi, if it does go to Van Dijk or indeed someone else, one of the other Reds nominated, as Kiva said. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. We will be back with another instalment of Blood Red later in the week after the derby. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.